a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome in to this week's episode of the It's 2012 podcast. I'm hacking alongside Steve Bartle. with you guys, as always, check Steve out on Twitter at sbartle247. You can check myself out at TomCantHackett. Steve's work can be found at uzone.com or mine at ksosports.com. And of course, this podcast is sponsored by Nate Wade Subaru. Nate Wade Subaru, by the way, uh, looking to buy your Subaru if you drive a Subaru. Uh, and they're not even all that worried about you trading it in and, and getting a new car. They, they, they simply just want to buy your Subaru uh, with how crazy the, uh, the used car market is at the minute. They, uh, they're just trying to get their hands on as many as possible. If you decide to purchase another car following them buying it, then, uh, then so be it. But, uh, but either way, we, uh, we love NetWeight Subaru. We love and appreciate them. All right, we do have Mr. Bartle with us. Now, here's the deal. Uh, old Stevie boy is in the car just uh, plowing down the freeway. He's, um, he's driving to, to Palo Alto to, uh, to go check out Utah and Stanford. So if there's a bit of background noise, do forgive us. That's just Steve humming away at uh, 75 miles per click. And, uh, and if we lose connection because he goes to a bad spot, so be it. Such is life. We'll have to figure it out when that time comes. Steve, what's going on, man? Where are you? Uh, just passing Tooele, man. I've got a long ways to go on this drive. So we got plenty of time to talk, Tom. Oh, wow. We've got about, yeah, 12 hours worth of uh, conversation to be had, Steve. Uh, where are you, You're going to stay in Reno tonight? I am. I'm staying in the world's biggest little city. You know, I may play, uh, may play some dice, may play... That was a blackjack. May you know may hit the tables tonight, so it uh, should be uh, fun. But yeah, I'm going to stay the night in Reno and then make the rest of the drive tomorrow. Very cool. And uh, have you ever been to Stanford's ground? I've I've only like I you know me and my brother and, and my brother's buddy we took a trip out to San Francisco a couple years ago and like took a tour of of the campus during the summer. I've never actually been to stanford stadium this is my first time working a game and so um that's that's really why i'm making the trip out there is to to knock this stadium off the list nice dude it's a um god it's a weird place it's a, it's a really weird place it's um right it's obviously a beautiful part of the world up there in northern california the the campus is majestic i mean i mean honestly there are parts right. of it that, that feel like you know, you're in Harry Potter, but the stadium, they, they, they just don't get many fans. And so it's pretty eerie. Uh, yeah. It's strange too, because David Shaw is such a talented coach and Stanford is generally pretty, pretty bloody good. But yeah, they, they don't have a ton of support. They're all too busy studying, I guess. But anyway, it's worth the experience. It's um, certainly not like Rice Eccles, but different in its own right. I think you'll have a ton of fun. Steve, um, Wow, wait. Okay, so where do you want to start? So Utah basically won the South. 
with a handful of games left. I, I mean, are we allowed to say that yet? I mean, come on. What are the, what are the odds they lose it from here? They, I think they have to lose every game. And, like, other results also have to they, – they've won the South, Steve. They, they pretty much have it they, – you know, they've, they've got it pretty well locked up. Obviously, with Arizona State, they still only have two losses um, in conference, and Utah has the tiebreaker there. So, you know, if you're looking at it, like – the best way to look at it is Utah has a game and a half on on basically the South on Arizona State, right? Because USC, you know, they're they're not going to be able to challenge UCLA. They're not going to be able to to challenge. They could, um, but Arizona State is the biggest threat. However, like when you look at Arizona State's schedule, so they've got USC at home this weekend. Then they go on the road to Washington and then on the road again to Oregon State. That's three really difficult games for, for Arizona State. Um, you know, and, and sure, like they've got the, a squad that could win all three, but it's really hard to seeing them. It's really hard to see them win all three of those games. So, um, you know, I kind of look at Arizona State dropping another one, which, is, which would help Utah, obviously. But really, the only threat to Utah is Arizona State, and it would have to be like just Utah, like you said, Tom, dropping every single game the rest of the way. So yeah, I mean the chances are very slim. Um, I, look, I think Utah's the best team in the South, so it's not like you know, they're undeserving by any stretch. I think I think Utah right, is, right. is dominant, and they're actually they're trending in the right direction as well, Steve. Um, and I think you know last game against UCLA really really solidified that for me anyway. Um, you go back to the start of the season, there were some quarterback issues, but you know, at the, at, at the root cause of all of the issue was, was the offensive line, and we, we have spoken about it. But my word, I mean, the offensive line, I'd love to hear your analysis from it, Steve, but in my opinion anyway, they, they, they played as well as they have all year against UCLA. I mean, they just bullied UCLA up front. That's all they did. And from start to finish, Tavion Thomas ended up with four touchdowns, however many yards. Utah just literally, Utah averaged, I don't know, six, seven, eight yards a carry against Utah. I mean, it was just a dominant, dominant display. And if Utah's offensive line is humming and uh, and they're getting pushed up front, Utah's. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think any team in the Pac-12 can beat Utah. To be fair, um, the issues they've run into, Steve, and again we talk, talked about this. When the offensive line is struggling, then the Utah offense tends to deteriorate reasonably quickly. But with how the season's been going, as I mentioned earlier, slow start, but they've been getting better every single week. Would you agree with that, Steve? No, absolutely. Um, they've they've gotten better, and and like it's it's crazy how quickly it turned though um, for the offensive line because you know you remember the first three games it was really really ugly. That San Diego State game was was really really bad. Um, <clears throat> And then in Washington, against Washington State, they allowed just four pressures in that game compared to 21 clean pockets. And it's really been that same type of protection um, in, in the next five games for Utah. It's, it's been four games. Um, but it's been a really, really impressive turnaround for that offensive line. And I think the UCLA game, we finally saw the, the, the movement in, in the run game 
really, um, really be what we all kind of thought it would be coming into the season. Like you said, Tom, they were just moving guys off of their spots. They were creating a lot of space. Um, Satao Laumea had the highlight of the night with his just flat backing of, of that poor UCLA defender basically sent him to heaven. And, you know, just, uh, just the highlight of the night. It was really good to see that. I think, you know, I was there in the press box. I can't recall too many times where there had, there's been an audible ooh from the crowd that I, I remember as vividly as that. Like, Satawa made that block, and you just heard the entire crowd just ooh from, from that play. And it was just a fantastic, fantastic play. Tavion scored on the play and, uh, and was really, really cool. So, yeah, the offensive line has really turned around um, kind of the fortunes of this season. And, you know, a lot of credit belongs to Cameron Rising, but an equal amount of credit belongs to the big guys up front for sure. Yeah, I, I look. I um, I just think positive energy, constant positive reinforcement. You know, it's in, it's incredible. It's impossible to judge just how impactful it it is or it has been. But but I, look, I, I I'm a firm believer that, that that it's played a pretty significant role up until this point. The addition of Rising, his attitude, his willingness to support, uh, and just to lead. To be frank. Um, I think has Utah playing with, with, with a ton more confidence than they did at the start of the year. And it's, it's telling it's, um, yeah. I just think it's powerful. That's all. And, and I, uh, you know, I hope it continues. I have no doubt it will. I think Cam rising is uh, not just a terrific player. I think he is, but I think part of his nostalgia, part of his, 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 his secrecy, if you will, is this, this impact he can have on, on not just himself, but his teammates. He's just such, yeah. A positive light, and um, you know, when you think about the year that, that the University of Utah football team has, has kind of overcome and endured, uh, my word, I, I, you know, I just think it's it's really powerful yeah. to have somebody like that play the quarterback position um, to kind of guide some of the younger players and maybe the less vocal players through yeah. through all of it. So, yeah. you know, it, it makes complete sense that they're playing the best style of football now, Steve. Yeah, no, and, and just to kind of, um, you know, emphasize that point, you know, Utah does a great job of recruiting guys that really kind of fit who they are as a program, their identity and their culture, guys that aren't really, you know, they're confident in their ability, but they're not like, they're not like USC or, or, or Oregon where they're just like cocky almost, right? And I think for some players in some positions, that can be really hard when you don't have just that overwhelming swagger like a receiver, right? Um, and I think one player that has really benefited from Cameron Rising's just fountain of confidence and swagger is Devon Vele. Um, and, you know, I think he needed somebody to really kind of believe in him. Um, not that he didn't believe in himself because – when you make it as a walk-on, you've, you know, you've got to have a certain amount of confidence and, and conviction that you belong. But I think just taking that next step from, 
understanding like, okay, yeah, I can make it at this level to taking, you know, to, to then being like, okay, I can make plays at this level. Like I think Cameron rising really helped Devon Bailey in particular. And it's, it's had a good impact on his game, but a good impact on, on the rest of the passing game. It's, you're absolutely right, Tom, that his, his aura, his, the, the nostalgia surrounding Cameron rising, you know, a big part of what he is and who he is, is just his, his, like I said, his endless amount, his fountain of confidence and swagger. It's really benefited this offense in a, in a great way. Yeah. No, it's fun to watch. Now, uh, I, I must admit, watching the game, um, you know, I was tweeting. I, and I don't tweet a ton about Utah football anymore, but, but I did tweet when I saw Cam Rising punt the football. Oh, <laughs> I, uh, I saw that. I'm so sorry, Tom. I'm so sorry. Oh, Steve, it broke my heart, man. It really did. It just <laughs> tore me to pieces. I couldn't believe my eyes. I, um, and I don't know if people like understand or realize why it's uh, why it hurts so much for me. But I, I guess the reason behind it all is is because like the, the punter has one job, you know, like the quarterback has has multiple jobs. The, the punter has one job, and that's to to kick the ball as far and as high as possible, and, or to land it inside the ten or whatever the case is. And when you lose that job to somebody that isn't nearly as qualified that doing that job as you are, then it's just, I mean, like, to me anyway, it's like that there isn't anything like more disrespectful than that. So, so I was quite irate. I, I didn't understand. I was furious and um, I needed to take, to take a breather from watching the game. So I changed the channel for a minute and then, and then I turned the game back on once I'd calmed down and I saw him do it. I saw him do it again, Steve. Bro, he and, dropped uh, it in at the six and checked up. Yeah, and that's great. You know, good for him. <laughs> uh, it's all luck. There's no skill. He, he literally... <laughs> Steve, hear me out, man. He catches the football. He throws it onto his shoe. And it just checks up. Like, tell me how there's any skill. He doesn't drop it correctly. He doesn't know how to drop it, first of all. So there's no way he actually meant to, like, drop it. And he just, it's just luck of the draw. And that's great. It's sometimes better to be lucky than good. Oh. And, I'm, and I'm happy for it. I received a, a, a DM from Cam the, the, the morning after the game. Uh, he had obviously seen my tweets. And uh, he. Oh, he, I, hope, I hope he let you know. <laughs> uh, Steve, he said, uh, please don't hate me. And uh, I responded with, Cam, I will always love you. And then I uh, went on to explain why I was so furious. And he said, I understand, but I hope you know that I'm just following direction. And we made peace. Um, but I have to just accept the fact that I think they're going to continue to do it. And yes. I have to start to believe, Steve, that this Pro Kick Australia pipeline that I once, that I once started, I, I have to start to believe that, that just maybe it's coming to the end of an era which uh, oh. makes me incredibly sad. But anywho, but, uh, but, such but is life. Such, such is life, Tom. But I, you know, you, you blazed the trail for Australia Pro Kick. You, you, you know, you should, 
you should be proud of that fact. And the guys that have now had multiple opportunities, you know, coming to Utah, not just Utah, but like you really, I feel, I don't want to say you were the guy that did it for everybody else, but like you, I, I feel like you put it on the map and it, it's, it, it sucks that we are where we are now with the punters um, and not just the punters, but you know, even the kickers and, and, and specialists in general, um, special teams in general, I shouldn't just say specialists, uh, but it, uh, man, I, I was impressed. I was impressed by, by rising's um, incredible skill hunting the ball. <laughs> I'm, I'm, Steve, I'm sure you were. Um, <laughs> the vast majority of Utah fans were. Uh, and, and I think it's great. Well, it's great for him. It's good. There's a, and, and I said this to him uh, via our messaging. I said, uh, Cam, I'm sure you realize there's, uh, there's just there's not a thrill like it when you drop that ball inside the 10 and you hear the roar of rice seckles immediately oh. following. Uh, like, I'm sure it's cool to throw a touchdown or run one in or get a big stop on fourth down. I get it. I'm sure that's just as exhilarating. But I'm just telling you, there is uh, something special about just pinning that football deep, tucking it, tucking it in there to bed, and hearing the mighty roar of rice oh. stadium as you trot on off. You feel pretty good about yeah. yourself, and uh, and Cam Cam reiterated. He said uh, it was it was pretty cool. And so, look, I love the man. Oh. I really do. I, I love Cam. Yeah. I think he's a terrific human. Uh, I think he got lucky as, <laughs> however, <laughs> and I'm gonna stand by that. See, <laughs> I'm not budging. Uh, he didn't really do it. Man, I I don't know, man. I uh, I was impressed by the first kick. You know, he dropped it, I think, at, at, at like the 15. But that second kick, man, it dropped it in there nice and tight. It checked up. Um, it looked good. I uh, I was impressed. And I I get it. I I am nowhere near the expert that you are. But if uh, if it continues to get results like that, man, let's, let's just embrace uh, quick kick, quick punt uh, with, with the quarterback moving forward. Um, but I, like, I tell you what, to your point about Rice Cycle Stadium, uh, it, I don't know that another fan base appreciates that, that play more than any other fan base in, in the country. When a punter checks it up and in the five, in the 10, uh, it, it definitely gets a, a solid reaction from the crowd. It was, it was pretty cool to hear that. Yeah. I remember playing, I said to Travis, and I want to believe I said it to Coach Whittingham as well, but I know for sure I said it to Travis. I said, Travis, if you ever, if, if you ever pooch kick, you know, and I'm on the team, like our friendship, you know, may <laughs> not ever be the same, you know. And I want to say I said to Witt, too, I said, man, if you ever, if you ever throw the QB out there, I'm done. Like, I'm out. You can say goodbye to me. I want nothing to do with you. You are dead to me. It's over. So, uh, and and of course, I'm good friends with Kenny Peasley, the puddle up there, and and so you know he's texting me the day after. All anybody can talk about are Cam's bloody pooch puns. The social media team, you know, for Utah football, talking about it nonstop. It's like, gosh, I mean, like it's great and all, but can we can we feel some sort of sympathy for this bloody punter? That's you know, anyway, whatever. I get it. Yes, yes. I yep. I agree. 
it's tough. So anyway, hopefully, hopefully we can move forward and uh, just uh, appreciate Cam's greatness. Um, Steve, let's talk about Stamford. Let's let's jump on okay. jump that, and then uh, and then we'll let's let you get it. back to concentrating on the road. But um, what what do we need to know about Stamford? What are you anticipating from the Cardinal? Well, so I've I've watched three games this week about you know with with Stanford and um, you know I watched the Washington game which was last week the Washington State game and then the the Oregon game and you know the thing to to know about this Stanford team is it's not the same you know ground and pound like eight linemen on the field and just ramming it down your throat with the run game it's not that team anymore this is a team that. You know, this is a, a spread offense, a shotgun offense, heavy RPO. They're trying to, to feature Tanner McKee, you know, out of shotgun. And, and I'm not sure. I haven't followed his health, but I know David Shaw uh, mentioned that he was questionable for this game. So, well, his health is going to be something to, to follow Friday night. Um, but, you know, this offense is, is now built around the RPO and the passing game. You know, and they've they don't have maybe a uh, a JJ Arcega Whitesides or you know a, a, a Dalton Schultz because I can't remember the other great tight ends that they have, but they've got two pretty good pass catchers and Elijah Higgins and uh, and Ben Urasek, who you know they both have over 400 yards receiving. Um, Higgins is built like a linebacker as a receiver. Tom, he's 6'3", 235 pounds, and just yoked out of his mind. He's out there. Yeah, yeah. No, he's he's huge, and he's out there running slants and in, in, in deep posts and crossers. Like he's, like, like he's some type of, you know, like he's Theo Howard or something. It's crazy. So they've got him. Um, and then Eurosec, you know, he's 6'5", 230. He's, he's not as not as big as some of the tight ends that they've had in that program, but those are probably the two main pass catchers to, to remember going into the game. They've got a good running back in Austin Jones. The offensive line is solid, but not great. Um, defensively, you know, they, they have some good talent, but you know, Utah should be able to run on this Stanford defense, um, you know, and that should open up opportunities in the passing game as well. Stanford is an interesting team because you know they do have a lot of talent, but they're just not they're just not playing at a consistently high level this season for whatever reason. I I wish I could put my my finger on like I just I don't know what's missing with Stanford. They have a lot of talent. It just they just aren't playing at a high level. It's weird. Yeah, this is one of those games where you know, like you and I talk prior to the game and and try and give fans like some inkling as to what to expect and I mean this basically sums up the Stanford season to date they're on a three-game losing streak where they've lost to Arizona State Washington State and, and Washington in that respective order but the game prior to those three they they beat that they beat Oregon who was then ranked number seven uh, they're right now officially number four by the, by the College Football Playoff Committee. They beat them in double overtime, 31-24, at Oregon. 
Uh, yeah. I think it was at Oregon. I no, it was at Stanford. It was at, at Stanford. Stanford. I'm sorry. Yes, no. So, but either way, um, they they beat a, a top ten football team in double overtime, and then and and then have since lost three on the trot to Arizona State, who's a good football team. Washington State, who's not a great football team, but are playing better better as of late. And then to Washington, who's a mediocre football team. This is so. Is it, so I mean, that, that, like you know, like. So we could sit here and talk about all, you know all the all all these players that they have and what they've been able to accomplish so far this season. But who knows? I mean, because if they come out and play like they did against Oregon, Utah could well be in some, in some trouble. But you know, if they played like they had the last three weeks, Utah will likely be able to just do what they did to UCLA and and run all over them, kill the game, you know, within the first half, ideally. No, absolutely, and that's kind of the thing is, you know, Utah's run game if they if they can block the way that they did, not even, you know, I'm, it would be great to, to block the way that they did against UCLA. Um, like, you'll take that every week, obviously. Um, but they should be able to run the ball against Stanford um, and just as long as they take care of business, do their job, and convert on scoring opportunities, you know, I, I trust the Utah defense to get enough stops against the Stanford offense uh, where I, I don't have that same level of confidence again with this, you know, Stanford, Stanford defense to get the same number of stops against the Utah offense. So, um, you know, it's, but again, like they have the talent and potential to, to play really well. And it's just, do we get that team, you know, with Stanford on Friday night? We'll, you know, we won't know until, until, the game kicks off and, and they're, they're going at each other's throats, but this Stanford team is just so weird to know what's going on. They've been like, they've been competitive, you know, that Washington game, they had the lead late in that game until, you know, they gave it away. The Washington state game, they were in that game uh, until they gave it away. Arizona state was the last one where they were just flat out manhandled and beat. Um, and so, you know, it, it's just – it's going to be interesting. Utah has to come into this with the mindset that, you know, we've got to control what we can control, take care of business, and just do our jobs. And as long as they do that, um, they, should, uh, they should be in a good spot to, to, get, a, to get a win on Friday night. The, the only thing that, you know, maybe is worth bringing up is it, it is a short week. Um, right. Although – Stanford played Washington on the same day Utah played UCLA. So, you know, it's not like, it's not like Stanford has, has any advantage in that realm because they're both coming off a short week. But, with, you know, with that being said, you know, if Stanford's philosophy on short weeks, if their sports science team is better than Utah's and they can recover faster or, you know, then, then that could certainly play some sort of a role. Um, but but who knows? I mean, you know, that, that, I think that's just something worth worth bringing up prior to the game. And if it all kind of goes goes poorly, then we can maybe dive into that yeah. further after the game. But but either way, you know, it's, they're both coming on a short week, so there isn't necessarily right. one advantage either way. Steve, um, <clears throat> all right, my man. Well, hey, we won't we won't hold you up. You probably you probably need to be concentrating on uh, on the road and, and turning on your favorite podcasts and listening to your your thing but um boy we appreciate you man we uh we hope you get to reno safe we hope 
we hope the old cards and, and dice roll in, in your favour this evening. And um, we look forward to, to obviously hearing your analysis as we do every week uh, out there at, Star- at uh, Palo Alto at, at Stanford Stadium. Kickoff, by the way, it's a, it's, it's a Friday night game. Uh, just for those that are unaware, it's Friday night. It's, a, it's an 8.30 p.m. kick, so it's a reasonably late mountain time kickoff. Steve, I, 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 I'm so bad at this. Where, what, what station? Where, where, where can they where FS1. Can people watch? FS1. FS1. Okay, yep, FS1. God, I am so horrible at that. I apologize. I, I need to be more prepared. I, you know, come game day is normally when I, I start trying to figure out right. exactly where the games are. But <laughs> I do host a podcast uh, where I, I should inform our, our listeners. I do apologize. Uh, I'm lazy and uh, I'm not good at my job. So be it. Um, Steve, my man, much love to you in all seriousness. All right, Tommy. Appreciate you, brother. All right, dude. You get out of here now and I'll wrap the podcast up. We'll be fine. Uh, at sbartle247 is where you can find him. Myself at Tom Can't Hack It. Uh, Utah.com, seven-day free trial. If you're a Utah fan, just do it. You'll thank us for it later. KSLSports.com is another sports destination for you that covers a broader range of topics. And of course, they with Subaru. If you drive a Subaru, they want to buy it from you. Give them a call. Check them out. And, um, and I reckon you could probably make some money. So, uh, so best of luck in that realm, too. Uh, until next week, we will say so long. Goodbye. We appreciate you all, as always. And enjoy your weekend. Years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.